It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Those stories in just a moment, but we begin with breaking details about a plane crash near Harrison Hot Springs. RCMP tell Global News it appears this Cessna 172 crashed as it was attempting to land at a private airstrip along the river near the Sandpiper Golf Course. While there is some damage to the plane, we're told the pilot, the only person on board, was not injured. The fire department was called in just in case of a fuel leak, but we are told that none was found. Any other details come up, we'll pass them on to you. Now to what is always a hot topic in Metro Vancouver, the real estate market and whether it's a good time to buy or sell. There's a lot of evidence the market is slowing, but prices haven't dropped yet. Aaron MacArthur has more on a possible correction and why you might be surprised who's hoping for a slowdown. No matter where you live in Metro Vancouver, the price of a home is too much. For some people, it means giving up and leaving. I've seen so many family and friends move away. We're moving. Are you? Yeah, we're going to move to Calgary. Just so discouraging when uh, something you like goes like $100,000 above asking price. A new poll from Angus Reid paints a picture of how out of touch home prices are. 62% of people would like to see a significant correction. A quarter would like to see a dip in and around 10%. But one in three people would like to see prices come off by 30%. Absolutely, the majority of renters would like to see this happening. But what was surprising is a significant number of homeowners are also saying we'd like to see the market soften. The market has softened. New mortgage rules combined with various taxes have led to a sharp downturn in the number of sales. But what hasn't followed yet are prices. When, when you look at where housing prices you know, drop dramatically, usually there's overbuilding um, or there's a, a real problem in the economy or a real financial crisis that, where people have to sell and that forces prices down. We're not seeing that yet, so we're not seeing those really significant declines. Housing affordability will dominate the run up to the next election cycle most people want politicians at all levels to take action. Almost no one believes it will make any difference. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. The North Delta family is desperate to get their dog back. They let the three-year-old English bulldog out into the backyard this morning, not realizing the gate was open. When they discovered the dog was gone, a neighbor showed them surveillance video of the moment the dog disappeared. Julia Foy has more on what it shows. Uh, we named him Arzu, which means wish and desire. Delta dog owner Nevi Lally's only wish is to get her British bulldog returned. Arzu was put out in the backyard early this morning, but he disappeared moments later, and she began a frantic search. I drove around for half an hour screaming and looking for him. When she arrived home, her husband told her some surveillance video captured Arzu being coaxed across the street. The man then picks him up and puts the dog into a silver-colored sedan and drives away. He's the love of my life. 
he's a very pivotal part of our family. I don't understand how I'm supposed to go on without him. Um, he is my morning, he is my evening, he is my best furry friend. Dog napping is not new in Metro Vancouver. In July, Mickey the Teacup Poodle was stolen from the Vancouver SBCA. A few years ago, Luna and Safari, two Rhodesian Ridgebacks, were stolen from Langley. And in 2014, French Bulldog Chloe was stolen from a Vancouver tattoo parlor. Just please return our dog. He's lovely. He's super friendly. I see why he ran to you. Arzu has a microchip in his ear, but is not wearing any other identification tags. So it's unclear if this was a dog napping or a good Samaritan trying to rescue a lost dog. I can't look at his stuff. It's making me really upset. Um, he hasn't had breakfast, so... Just saying, turn me my dog. If you see our zoo, you're asked to call Delta Police or the Delta Animal Shelter. Julia Foy, Global News. Transit police are asking for your help to identify a credit card skimmer suspect. Take a look. Police believe this well-dressed man placed a credit card debit card skimmer on three Compass vending machines on the Canada line. That happened back in July. Two of them were located at the YVR station, one in Vancouver City Centre. The best thing that consu consumers can do is, uh, first off, if they see anything suspicious, report it. They can report it to uh, Canada Line Attendant, SkyTrain Attendant, or, of course, Transit Police. And uh, secondly, just keep an eye on credit card statements so that if you are a victim to one of these, you can report it and uh, it can be identified right away. Transit police say the suspect is between 30 and 40 years old, around 6'1 or 6'2, with a thin build and medium brown hair. Thankfully, it's believed the skimmers were located and seized before the suspect had the opportunity to return and retrieve any card information. Trampoline parks are exploding in popularity right now, but after a four-year-old was seriously injured over the weekend, there are new calls tonight for better safety precautions. Grace Key explains the measures currently in place and why some say it's time the industry should be regulated. Four-year-old Maddie Charbonneau is recovering in hospital from a broken leg and fractured ankle, an injury she got on Saturday at New Westminster's Extreme Air Park. We're not blaming them for the injury, but they had no care first, for yeah, her. No like aid. no first aid kit, no place to go put her and take her out of all these people when she's getting hurt. Though the parents don't blame Extreme Air Park, the company did release this video saying the girl was injured out of negligence from her own father, double bouncing her, contrary to park rules. In a statement, they add our team are first aid certified and we have a first aid room, which includes a comprehensive first aid kit. The attending member was certified in February. There's been two incidents at the company's Richmond location. Last week, a young boy fell through the springs of a trampoline. And in January, 46-year-old Jay Greenwood went into cardiac arrest and died after jumping into a foam pit. The lawyer's family will have to prove the pit was not kept reasonably safe. But there's no standard for this unregulated industry. This is um, unchartered territory right now because we don't have certain regulations like we do with other uh, businesses or other parks. So we have to try to figure out where is it reasonable and where is that line. 
A U.S. study shows there were 581 ER visits from trampoline parks in 2010. Four years later, it reached almost 7,000. In 2009, there were three trampoline parks in existence, and that number jumped to 1,200 in 2017, according to the International Association of Trampoline Parks, a nonprofit whose members pledge to meet safety standards. The available data through the CPSC does suggest that trampoline park injury rates are lower or on par with common use sports. The rate of injuries at parks is actually less than one for every 10,000 jumpers. Technical Safety BC is reviewing the possible regulation of trampoline parks and will be making a recommendation to the province. Grace Key, Global News. And just to give you an idea, here are some other things that are not subject to regulation in BC. Bungee devices, go-karts, stationary coin-operated rides, some lower and slower zip lines, and some bouncy castles. You can find the full details on the website of Technical Safety BC. Now, a breakthrough on the North American Free Trade Agreement today that does not include Canada. U.S. President Donald Trump announcing a new trade agreement with Mexico that excludes our country. Ted Chernecki has more on what happens now and the potential fallout. Big day for trade, big day for our country. And a great big question mark for Canada. And whatever you call this American-Mexico deal, do not call it NAFTA. It's a free trade agreement between Mexico and the United States, with Canada on the outside looking in, but with a loose invitation to sign on to an agreement in which it had no input. Canada is now invited to very quickly determine whether we want to sign on to what these other two countries have negotiated. So Canada's been put really into a squeeze here. Uh, we'll start negotiating with Canada relatively soon. The they timing of this announcement is interesting because some believe it has more to do with politics than trade. There was just an election in Mexico, and there are midterm elections coming up in the U.S. So Trump is trying to squeeze this deal in while he's still insured of having a Republican majority in the Senate. They have the tariffs of almost 300% on some of our dairy products. Trump mentioned it again today, Canada's supply management of dairy, poultry and eggs and how that hurts American producers. Now it's expected Canada will have to make concessions which will hurt dairy producers in particular. We're going to have to make some significant concessions on supply management. That won't be welcomed by the dairy industry, but it's actually good for the Canadian economy. BC's lumber industry isn't much affected because we still use the softwood agreement that's constantly being challenged by the Americans. And it's unclear if those tariffs on aluminum and steel will be lifted in a new Canadian agreement. And as for the auto sector, well, what the Americans and Mexicans agreed to is actually good for Canada. Going from 62 to 75 percent content for North American automobiles. So that's actually a plus for Canada. And the other is increasing the minimum wage for, I think, 40 to 45 percent of all autos and North America to be at least at $16 per hour for workers. Also good for Canada. Canada's foreign affairs minister will be in Washington tomorrow to resume trade talks. Ted Chernecki, Global News. Some good news for drivers who've had to detour around East First Avenue. The road is partially reopened to traffic after a summer of closure due to gas line upgrades. Today, drivers once again able to use the stretch between Nanaimo and Rupert. The shutdown necessary so Fortis could replace 20 kilometers of aging gas line. Stores along the route also had to endure the inconvenience, with business reportedly down anywhere from 15 to 40 percent. The road is expected to fully reopen on Friday after the city finishes the electrical work. 
And staying open for an extended period this summer, outdoor pools in Vancouver. The newly renovated Kitts Pool is now going to remain open until September 23rd. And the new Brighton Pool will stay open an extra few days until September 9th. All other outdoor pools in the city will remain open an extra day, closing after September 4th. It has been a record-breaking season for Vancouver's outdoor pools. More than 270,000 people have visited them this year. That's a 10% increase over last year. Well, it's been just a couple of weeks since an Asuyus man survived a terrifying experience escaping a mudslide on Highway 99 in Cache Creek. It happened without warning, the powerful wall of mud sweeping away two of his friends in another vehicle. And today he sat down with our Shelby Tom, recounting how he managed to save one of them. Very similar to mine. Glenn Sorco has a passion for classic cars, the proud owner of this 1970 Morgan. Since I was a little boy, when I first saw one, that was my number one car. The Asiyas man belongs to a vintage car club. They had planned what was supposed to be a leisurely summer drive from Vancouver to Kamloops on August 11th. But the trip turned into a nightmare when an unrelenting storm struck as they traveled along Highway 99 in Cache Creek. The most severe storm I've ever seen and uh, the hail was as big as my thumb. Sorco and his friends Tom and Valerie Morris pulled over to put the top up on their convertibles. There's still cars stuck over there, there's a mudslide. That's when a torrent of mud and debris plunged down the hillside. Thunderous roar, the only thing I had could do was just quickly look around and brace myself for what was coming. Sorco managed to hold on to his vehicle, but the mudslide swept away Morris's car, with Valerie still in the passenger seat. Sorco is a retired commercial pilot and former cadet officer. He says his emergency training kicked in as he tried to rescue his friend. I went far enough that I knew there's no way she could have survived through that. So his attention shifted to Valerie's husband, Tom, stuck in a muddy creek. Threw the rope to him, there was a loop on him, got him to put it on his uh, arm and wrap it. He pulled Tom to safety and tried desperately to keep him awake. He told me when I talked to him all he wanted to do to, was for me to shut up and let him go to sleep. So I did what I was supposed to do. While Tom recovers at his home in Seashells, Valerie is still missing despite extensive search efforts. Serco hoping the 67-year-old's body can be recovered so she can be laid to rest. At least bring her body for closure for Tom. Serco doesn't consider himself a hero but says... I just did what my training has taught me to do. Shelby Tom, Global News. Fresh calls tonight for an end to a policy allowing so-called birth tourism in our country. The federal conservatives voting at their convention in Halifax over the weekend to scrap automatic citizenship for babies born in Canada if their parents aren't already citizens or permanent residents. Paul Johnson has reaction from local politicians and why the move is stirring up controversy. The building doesn't match the neighborhood, nor does its alleged purpose, which Richmond activists say is really a birth tourism hotel, despite denials from people in the building earlier this summer. Well, neighbors have complained to us about what they think is going on here. It's the website that's really interesting, appearing to advertise this building as a place that's ideal for women in Asia to stay at when they come to have their babies in Canada. We will now proceed to the vote. All of those in favor, 
Now, Canada's federal conservatives want to close what some say is a back door to Canadian citizenship. Coming here under a tourist visa with the intent of having a baby that will get a valuable Canadian passport. Both Australia and New Zealand have banned it, but it's unclear how the conservative proposal would work and already controversial. I believe birth tourism is an issue. Richmond MP Joe Pesky Salido has been calling for action. Though none has come from the Trudeau government he's a part of, he says the conservative idea is the wrong way to go. This approach of saying there's one type of Canadian or another won't shut down the system. But the most withering criticism came from federal NDP leader Jagmeet Singh, who tweeted that the conservative idea is even beyond what Trump would do and condemned what he called division and hate. That raised the hackles of Richmond MLA Jazz Johal, who's been tracking the numbers of suspected cases of birth tourism, which he says have gone up every year. And I appreciate Jagmeet Singh moving from Toronto and out of British Columbia and telling us how we should live our lives. I'm sorry, I'm an immigrant to this country. My parents were immigrants. We followed the rules, as do the vast majority of immigrants. You shouldn't have a backdoor uh, into Canada. It doesn't pass the smell test. Paul Johnson, Global News. A unique housing project was unveiled in Vancouver today. This 26-unit complex is located at the corner of First and Victoria in the Grandview Woodlands neighborhood. 18 of the units will be made available for people who are homeless or at risk of homelessness. Eight for low to moderate income individuals, couples and families. The idea is to provide supportive housing for people from different economic, cultural, health and social backgrounds in one building. The project is a joint venture of all three levels of government, as well as community and church groups. Now, that project isn't going to help about 100 residents of a tent city in Saanich who say they have nowhere else to go. The city and province are going to court to break up the encampment, citing safety concerns. But residents say it's a waste of time and money until there's more affordable housing available to them. Kylie Stanton reports. From the side of the highway in Saanich to downtown Nanaimo and as far away as Maple Ridge, residents of BC's three most prominent tent cities are uniting here in Victoria today, speaking out against what they're calling government displacement. They should step back from these attempts to destroy homeless people's self-organizing and instead they should build homes so that no one is living on the street. The residents held a joint press conference outside of the law courts as the province and district of Saanich proceeded with an application for a Supreme Court injunction to shut down the nearly four-month-old Namigan's encampment. Their application is just one example of the government efforts to break up tent cities before the winter begins. Camp Namigan's is now home to roughly 100 people, setting up tents and tarps here in Regina Park. Both the province and Saanich have expressed safety concerns specifically involving fire. But residents say this community and others like it provide a new level of protection for the most vulnerable citizens. We feel so much safer than people on the street, being together um, as a community. Also at issue is the money being spent on this fight. Things like garbage collection, basic hygiene facilities, policing and the cost of legal proceedings. Every penny of those dollars should be invested back into housing. We just want a home. The District of Saanich declined to comment, saying the matter was before the courts. But the Ministry of Municipal Affairs and Housing issued this statement. BC Housing's Housing Action Response Team is connecting with the campers regularly to assess housing needs and options. And assessments continue to be done with residents to determine their level of need and the most appropriate housing arrangement.
Residents warn the numbers may only continue to grow. It doesn't take much before a tent and a tarp is the only choice. Everybody's only a couple checks from being out here. I don't think they realize that. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. It's the first glimpse of the man accused of murdering four people in Fredericton, with 48-year-old Matthew Raymond appearing in court today. He's facing four counts of first-degree murder in the deaths of two police officers and two civilians. They were gunned down outside an apartment complex back on August 10th. Raymond is expected to plead not guilty in that case. U.S. Senator John McCain relished a battle and liked to get the last word, and today he did just that. The Republican senator passed away over the weekend after failed treatment for brain cancer. His farewell statement referenced the state of U.S. politics right now without ever mentioning President Trump by name. But the president was forced to respond. Tonight inside the Senate chamber where he served six terms, John McCain's desk draped in black. The maverick never at a loss for words, delivering his farewell statement through a trusted aide. I've often observed that I am the luckiest person on earth. I feel that way even now as I prepare for the end of my life. I've loved my life, all of it. McCain getting in a last word on President Trump without ever mentioning him by name. We weaken our greatness when we confuse our patriotism with tribal rivalries. We weaken it when we hide behind walls rather than tear them down. At the White House, Mr. Trump ignoring questions. Mr. President, any thoughts on John McCain, sir? But his actions speaking volumes. The White House today returning the flag to its full height, even as those around the nation's capital remained at half staff. But by afternoon, amid intensifying pressure, a reversal. Mr. Trump writing, despite our differences on policy and politics, I respect Senator John McCain's service to our country. In his honor, ordering all flags at half staff until McCain's burial. In Washington, this tribute outside the Senate office building McCain's former colleagues want renamed in his honor. I will miss one of the very finest gentlemen with whom I've had the honor to serve. And in his home state, an outpouring of respect. His longtime aide, Mark yeah, Salter, he, on today. Uh, the roads were lined with people who spontaneously showed up to wave flags and put their hands over their hearts. It was quite moving. Ahead this week, celebrations of a statesman who often defied party labels. Among those paying tribute, longtime colleague, Vice President Joe Biden, and former presidents, former rivals, George W. Bush and Barack Obama, while the current president won't be there. What's America like without John McCain? Well, what I hope is that John McCain's legacy will rub off on a few people, young future politicians who look at this week and say, wow, 
John McCain was the real deal. Maybe I ought to follow that model. Some amazing video now of a water main break sending a massive geyser shooting into the air in central Texas. Video captured by a Texas Department of Transportation traffic cam shows the water erupting from the ground on San Antonio's northeast side this afternoon, shooting dozens of feet into the air. Crews scrambled to the scene to get the water shut off and eventually repair the break. Ontario Premier Doug Ford made it a campaign promise, and today, buck a beer hit the store shelves there. But some are calling it a promotional gimmick. Global's Tom Hayes explains why. Since the campaign trail, he's been pushing buck a beer. Today, he helped with the lifting. Today it arrived in limited LCBO stores and beer stores. Cool is just one of three brands taking part. It's made here in a large facility in South Etobicoke. A lot different than here, where they put the labels on by hand. That would be my buck of beer. Jeff Mano's Muddy York Craft Beer sells for $5 a glass. He calls the Premier's buck of beer nothing more than a gimmick. It's a pretty silly thing to, uh, to focus on. I think there's more important issues out there in the province. For a craft brewery to say that, that's, uh, that's his opinion. It's, he has a specialty. That's up to him. But the people that are buying a buck of beer are as happy as punch. It's day one, so a small sample size. But this beer drinker pretty much calls it his patriotic duty to try buck a beer. I was made aware that it was just uh, manufactured down the street yeah. here and on, on Queensway. Yeah. And I support everything that's Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if it's a buck. <laughs> that, that helps. You won't be able to support buck a beer here at the Muddy York. We'd probably go bankrupt within a few months. It was an election promise for Premier Ford. For his finance minister, more to come. Beer and wine in corner stores will be uh, at a corner store near you in the future. Tom Hayes, Global News. And here in B.C., in Health Matters, a beer recall to tell you about. Bowen Island Beer voluntarily recalling two types of its product due to concerns about a defect in the cans. Bowen Island Artisan IPA with lot numbers on your screen and Bowen Island West Coast Lager, lot number L18207. The rims on some of those cans are not seamed properly and may have sharp metal sticking out from the rim. Customers should return the recalled products to the store where they were purchased to receive a full refund and presumably get a replacement six-pack as well. As students prepare to head back to school, chiropractors are warning about something called tech neck. It's a common condition for kids and adults who spend too much time looking down at their devices. Su Lingo explains the key to keeping pain-free. Okay, slide back to its knee. Teacher Diane Webb started having neck issues seven years ago, shortly after her school started using tablets in the classroom. So I was doing a lot of lesson planning and setting things up that was involving me sitting in front of a computer and having to do these over and over again. Chiropractor Maylee Harris says it's a classic case of tech neck. When you're on your phones or computers, you tend to kind of roll forward and we get a rounding of the shoulders forward. You get kind of tight in your pecs and your neck starts to ache. Dr. Harris sees patients with tech neck every day and Alberta chiropractors want you to know for every inch you bend your head forward, that's an extra 10 pounds of pressure on your neck. There was nothing that I, that I was taking medication-wise that was like helping it. The key is to stop the slouch. I want you to bring your shoulders back, ear over your shoulder, and then you're going to bring your chin and tuck it back in. Yeah. 
and try to keep your device at eye level. One BC team even invented special glasses to remind users. As soon as they have poor posture, it says fix your head position. Diane says she's the posture police for her junior high students. Even just telling them like when they're working on things to just, yeah, to bring the phone up on the desk instead of like trying to hide because they're hiding stuff. And she teaches teens stretches like this. Dr. Harris adds limiting screen time and taking frequent breaks are good habits at any age. Even if they have an hour on their computer, I still recommend you kind of set your alarm and get them up and walking around, even do a lap around the house every 15 minutes or 30 minutes or so. So they're moving. Sulingo, Global News. All week, Team Canada's blind hockey team has been practicing for a first-of-its-kind game. In October, the team's going to travel to Pittsburgh to face off against its U.S. counterpart. Linda Aylesworth has more on the competition and why this matchup is about so much more than just winning. It takes more than gear to play Canada's national winter game. It takes teamwork. What it doesn't take necessarily is vision. Meet Canada's national blind hockey team, playing together for the first time in Burnaby. We've lived together, we've eaten together, we've slept together, we've played hockey together for a week. And not only has this team become a group, but they've kind of become a family. The amount of vision these players have varies. B1s are 0 to 2% vision, a B2 has 2 to 5% visual acuity, and then a B3 like myself who could be up to 10%. Anthony's been playing blind hockey since he was 14 years old. It's like nothing else. To be able to play a game and excel and be on an even playing field with my vision, it's a truly special experience. Then there's Gary. Since he started playing 30 years ago, his vision has deteriorated to zero. According to blind hockey rules, that makes him a goalie. I know it sounds funny. People think having somebody who's totally blind getting fairly high-sided blind people blasting a metal puck at them, how's that fair? But uh, they do a pretty good job, I think. That big, bashed-up metal puck contains 10 ball bearings. Hearing it helps, but it's not enough. Let's make sure that communication is the number one thing that we're working on throughout this entire game. Whatever they can yell, whatever people, any of us can yell to each other is really important because it just gives information, right? The goal of all this, to beat Team USA in the first international blind ice hockey tournament in history in mid-October in Pittsburgh. Drop it, drop it, drop it! The only thing that would be more amazing than winning that... The biggest goal we have is for this to one day be a Paralympic sport. 2026 is a is a date we've targeted on all our calendars. So it's special to try to grow this and bring it around the world. Canada! And Aylesworth, Global News. No, it's not an Indiana Jones remake. We'll tell you why people in one Spanish town were running from a huge ball. That's coming up right after... Yvonne's forecast, shocking to get a, almost a full day of sunshine out there after the haze and rain of yesterday, but wow, it looks beautiful now, Yvonne. And to see the view again, it's been a while, yeah. it's very nice out there, it's been fresh for us across the south coast, and yes, the sunshine and temperatures bumped up, it was very cool over the weekend, it was paired with a few isolated showers. Here's a beautiful shot over Lincoln English Bay, temperatures currently sitting at 20, today we got up to 21 degrees, a touch warmer from areas away from the water, but we're right where we should be for this time of the year. A record of 27 degrees to set back in 1967. In the, in the interior today with Kamloops.
Loops up to 24, Prince George at 20, and coastal sections for Prince Rupert topping out at 15 degrees. A change on the way, another system is going to push in. Most areas across the north coast will see it as early as the morning hours. This same system will bring some instability late in the day for tomorrow especially for the Columbia region with the chance of showers and even the risk of thunderstorms. And most areas across the south coast will see a change on Wednesday with an increase in cloud cover and a chance of showers. So get out and enjoy tomorrow. It'll be a similar weather picture to what we saw today. For the, P- for the northern half of the province, up to 16 with on and off showers. The peace tomorrow, seeing the risk of a thunderstorm, similar for a few spots across the central interior. Quinnell will be up to 21 degrees. And the southern interior, most spots for the Okanagan, it's a chance of showers or southern sections. Cranbrook tomorrow will be up to 20 degrees. Whistler, beautiful, fantastic, up to 24. And along the south coast, we've got a few isolated showers or more cloud cover for the northern sections of the island. Most areas, though, paired with sunshine. Temperatures by the water tomorrow should be up to 21 or 22 degrees. Areas inland could get up to 25 degrees. A change on the way for our Wednesday, a touch cooler and a chance to see a few isolated showers leading in towards the end of the week. Tonight's weather picture, a fantastic shot that was taken a couple of days ago from Bruce in the Cowichan Valley. A sunset. Chris? Looks very nice. Thank you. And thank you, Bruce, for the photo. Well, if you want to be a real-life Indiana Jones, a town in Spain is replacing its running of the bulls with running of the ball. The town leaders of Metelopino, just west of Madrid, said too many people were getting hurt by the bulls, so they replaced that event with a run down a steep, fenced-in road chased by a 550-pound polystyrene ball. But after today's run, organizers are rethinking their decision because the ball hit one of the runners and seriously injured him, so maybe it's back to the drawing How heavy was that ball? 550 pounds. 550 pounds? What's in it? Well, it's just rubber. It's polystyrene (laughs) plastic. It just seems it's not a great idea. No. I just don't don't know. Maybe Maybe there's another thing they could do. Who knows? Uh, Not good news from the Lions. Well, no. um, This whole season's not been good news. This is no way for Wally to go out. I just want to say that. It's a star. No doubt about that. Okay. The BC Lions series of unfortunate events continue today with the news that their best receiver, Emmanuel Arsenault, is out the rest of the season with a knee injury. It's the same knee he injured two years ago. Now, we think it happened here in the second yeah, quarter of Saturday's game against Saskatchewan. Torn ACL. Tried to play one more play on it, but that was it. Had to come out of the game. Losing Arsenault is a serious blow since he leads the team in both catches and yards receiving. He's also their best deep threat. So look for the Lions now to go out and try to find another receiver to fill his role. Without Manny, Brian Burnham, I guess, will become the main receiver for Travis Lule. Canuck fans in Penticton are going to see most of Vancouver's best prospects at the Young Stars Tournament between September 7th and 9th. Here are some of the crew they are bringing. And you'll like these names. Elias Pedersen will be up there. Jonathan Dahlin, Adam Gaudet, who had a bit of a cup of coffee with the Canucks last season. Cole Lynn, big star from the Kelowna Rockets. We'll see if Ole Olevi has improved. There'll be others like Michael DiPietro, Jet Wu will be there. A lot of them. The only one that won't be there is uh, Quinn Hughes because he has to go back to college. Young Stars Tournament, September 7th to 9th. Vosik Pospisil of Vancouver, who was recently at the Audlin Brown Tournament up in um, Hollyburn against Lucas Latchko at the U.S. Open Round 1. Pospisil's ace won the first set for him 7-5. Pospisil in the blue, the dark blue, that guy right there. 
won the second set 6-3. Straight set win. Never had a lot of luck at the U.S. Open, but he is on to round number two. All the Canadian men were out there. How about this? Denis Shapovalov against Felix Auger-Aliassime. Two buddies, two Canadians going at it. Aliassime had the great start. He was up 4-1 at one point. Then Shapovalov got his act together. Right down the line. Big left-handed forehand. Oje Ali Yassim lost the first set, 7-5. Now he was down in the second set, the Shapovalov, but he rallied. And they were even after two sets. So this looked like it was going to go for a while. And then Oje Ali Yassim had to be checked out by the doctors for an irregular heartbeat. Tried to play a little bit more, but he was feeling faint. He was in tears by the time it all ended. These two have grown up together in the tennis world. They're pals. And Shapovalov hated the way that ended. Ronic, Milos Ronic against Carlos Berlock. Ronic has never gotten past the fourth round of the U.S. Open, but he uh, needed four sets. But still won this today. The 25th seed is on to round number two. 7-6-6-4-1-6-6-3. It is a golden age for young Canadian golfers on major tours, but the biggest star in this Canadian constellation is Brooke Henderson, who won the Women's Canadian Open yesterday in Regina. She's already won an LPGA major and seven tournaments in total, and she's only 20. And all these people are fans of golf. Proud Canadians have been waiting for this moment for a long, long time. What a beauty. In style right to the end. Brooke Henderson's Canadian Open victory will go down as one of those where were you moments. Her final round seven under 65 had sports fans cheering from coast to coast. We've seen Brooke win six previous times on the LPGA Tour, but nothing beats putting out for a win on home soil. You know, this was like the first time ever that I've played my absolute best um, in front of the hometown crowd and on home soil so you know it's just a great learning experience and and it has a really happy ending <laughs> it is just a terrific looking golf swing she seems extremely composed you could say brooke is a quick learner as a 14 year old henderson first served notice she'd be a force to be reckoned with at the 2012 canadian open brooke missed the cut that year but the experience only made her better Four short years later, she'd win on the LPGA Tour for the very first time. Now, she's one of the world's top 10 female ranked golfers. Yeah, I feel like it's in a really good spot. I've played really well, I would say, over the last month or so. Um, you know, I was in contention in Ohio. I played pretty well at KPMG. Um, went to the British and had my best finish, uh, just outside the top 10. And then last week in Indy, you know, shooting minus nine on the final round. So I feel like things have been really steady uh, for me. And um, this win definitely gives me a lot of confidence and a lot of momentum. This is a little pitching match. That confidence will only increase when she dials in all aspects of her short game. Brooke muscles it off the tee, averaging 270 yards, but her sand saves and putting average numbers are below average for a player of her caliber. She improves that aspect of her game 
and we'll be seeing Victoria Champagne showers for years to come. You know, I've had two wins the last couple seasons, so I wanted to keep that streak going, so I'm happy that I did. Um, and, you know, hopefully I can look forward to hopefully getting a third win this season. I'm the national champion, so that's pretty cool. Manchester United and Tottenham. Second half, it's scoreless. And then the big World Cup hero for England, Harry Kane. Heads one in to make it 1-0. Two minutes later, it was 2-0 for Tottenham. And then Lucas Moura, who made it 2-0, will now make it 3-0. This is not the kind of home game they're used to seeing at Old Trafford. Three zip for Tottenham over Man United. There you go. Tough for the, tough for the home crowd there. Mm -hmm. Join Global BC at the Fair at the PE. On location with live weather reports, Squires PE stories, or file your own story at the Global BC CKNW News 10. Global News. We are BC's news. Fake jewelry, tainted makeup, even chargers that could make your phone explode. There are a growing number of counterfeit products for sale online, millions of them, but there are ways you can spot a fake. Tonight, the criminals are in business, selling everything from jewelry to electronics, even makeup, all online. Let's start with electronics. We all know this, the iconic Apple charger goes for about $15. But look what I found online on Walmart.com, the Apple charger going for just $7 from a third-party seller. We do even better over here on Amazon. Look at this Apple charger from a third-party seller for just $5. So we're going to buy a bunch of these up. When they arrive, we ask UL to analyze them. They know UL certifies products for Apple. First of all, it does say designed by Apple in California. That's good. There's an Apple logo even. There is an Apple logo. But don't be fooled. UL says 11 of the 12 chargers we purchased are fake and dangerous. Missing the circuitry that prevents your phone from overcharging and exploding. So the lab intentionally overcharges a battery to show us what could happen with a counterfeit. How about jewelry and these ads for Tiffany earrings and bracelets? Nope, fake. Tiffany telling NBC News they had Facebook and Instagram remove more than 6,000 counterfeit listings. Even your face isn't safe. Yes, counterfeiters are even selling makeup online. The real company, Huda Beauty, confirming we bought fakes online. Counterfeit makeup is going to be made with the cheapest possible ingredients. Bacteria has been found in it, and it can cause a serious skin infection. So how do you protect yourself? I want you to look for this online. On Walmart, you want to look for sold and shipped by Walmart. Over here on Amazon, something similar. Ships from and sold by Amazon.com. The tips that could save you from all this. Jeff Rawson, NBC News, New York. Well, that wouldn't be very good. That would not be very good. And you know, the only way to get into one of those little things is to absolutely destroy it. Like It was, <laughs> it was interesting how they cut into it there. Uh, okay, before we go, last look at uh, weather and a beautiful evening out there after a gorgeous day. Yeah, so a bit chilly though for the overnight. Uh, we're dipping down to 12, but tomorrow will be similar to what we're seeing today with some sunshine. Um, areas away from the water could get up to 25 degrees, so get out and enjoy it. A change on the way. Wednesday onwards, we will see more cloud cover. It'll be a touch cooler. We're looking at a chance of showers as well. So tomorrow the nicest out of the bunch, but it could rebound. Still a few days out from the long weekend, but things could uh, improve once again too. Not too bad overall for the PNE. No, it's nice. Continues for the last week, for sure.